1: Come what me. If the word of God says it, I believe it.
0: And that's the way it
1: is. And now, here is Janet Mefford.
0: Welcome, everybody. Well, if there was any remaining doubt at all that these sexual radicals want our kids, I think we're to the point where it is indisputable. I think we actually reached a point where it was indisputable. Probably a year or two ago, but other people take longer than I do to embrace reality on this. Maybe it's just because I've been drowning in this stuff for over a decade now, but this is the latest, and this really is in line with what has been going on in recent years, but it's still to me quite shocking. I remember as a little girl watching Sesame Street. I think we all did, if we are you know, from the last 50 years. It's been on forever. Uh, But I loved Sesame Street. I loved Oscar the Grouch. I loved Big Bird. I loved the Snuffleupagus. It was just a cute show. And they taught you your numbers. They taught you the alphabet. And it was funny. And it was entertaining. And the Muppets were so cute. And now it's just nothing like that anymore. It's in the hands of activists from the left, of the New York variety. And so I guess it shouldn't shock us that this is the latest. Breaking from Site News. Cross-dressing LGBT activists to appear on Sesame Street. Yes, you heard correctly. You heard correctly. And there's a picture of this activist a homosexual activist who actually is appearing on a TV show on FX called Pose, a drama spotlighting the legends, icons, and ferocious house mothers of New York's underground ball culture, a movement that first gained notice in the 1980s making television history. Pose features the largest cast of transgender actors in series regular roles. They name some of them here in the description. And they say the Golden Globe-nominated drama also features the largest recurring cast of LGBTQ actors ever for a scripted series. Well, I think your next logical move is Sesame Street. Clearly, why wouldn't you go from something like that to Sesame Street? So here's what they say at LifeSite. Burt and Ernie may not be a same-sex couple, but the long-running children's franchise Sesame Street is about to get an infusion of LGBT vibes with an upcoming guest appearance by actor and LGBT activist Billy Porter. Porter, best known as pray tell in the FX's LGBT ballroom drama pose and for wearing extravagant dresses. You might remember this guy. There was a big picture that went out when he appeared at the Oscars. He was wearing a tuxedo that had a gigantic skirt. Oh, it's so groundbreaking. Mm hmm. Anyhow, he'll appear during the 51st season of the Beloved Children's Show, according to Sesame Street's official Facebook page. The post declares, along with photos of Porter wearing the tuxedo dress, Billy Porter bringing those fierce vibes to Sesame Street. Comments on the post were largely positive, though some readers expressed concern. One said, that is pushing too much at little children. It makes no sense. Kids have too much on their plates as it is. Why add more? What? You could ask that about drag queen story hour, couldn't you? You could ask that about any kind of children's oriented gay activism, which is just rife. It's absolutely rife. Why do you think we have all of these LGBT curricula that are being shoved down the throats of parents and their kids in the public schools right now? It is absolutely everywhere. It is everywhere. And I don't know if there really are any people left who can deny that the kids are the target because the kids are the target. They're showing it and proving it every single day. There was a time when activism was just beginning to get a little bit more socially acceptable years ago. And people would raise genuine concerns. Well, what about the kids? Oh, we're not after your kids. What are you talking about? You guys are so paranoid. All of you crazy homophobes. Well, what do you say now? Well, what they do now is they justify it. They justify it. Now, I want to play a couple clips for you because we unearthed these from Stephen Colbert's show from last year when Billy Porter appeared on The Late Show. Listen to this exchange here about Billy Porter wearing dresses. This is cut one.
1: Do you feel that a fashion makes a political statement? I think it can. You know, I've always been into fashion and I feel like especially when it comes to gender, Mm -hmm. you know, we've moved beyond the idea that women wearing pants is a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, women wearing Thank pants. Thank you, Catherine Hepburn. Thank you, Catherine Hepburn. The, 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 the women wearing pants is powerful. It's mm-hmm. strong. Everybody accepts it. And it's associated with the patriarch. Mm-hmm. The patriarchy. It's associated yep. with being male. Yes. The minute a man puts on a dress, it's disgusting. So what are you saying? Men are strong. Women are disgusting. I'm not doing that anymore.
0: Okay. No, that's not what people are saying. Nobody thinks women are disgusting because they wear dresses. Women wearing dresses is normal. Men wearing dresses is disgusting because you shouldn't be wearing a dress. (laughs) You shouldn't be wearing a dress. Why? Because you're a guy. That's why. And when you look at what God says about the importance of men being men and women being women, we're not making this stuff up. Think about Deuteronomy 22, verse five. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. So that's the first part of it. Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment for all that do so are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. That's what the Bible says. Take it up with the Lord, but it's not people saying women are disgusting. They're saying men are not women and women are not men. But that now can get you kicked off social media, right? I want to play another cut from this same interview with Stephen Colbert and Billy Porter talking about this show he's in that I mentioned earlier, this show Pose on FX. Listen to cut two
2: you star in the FX series "Pose.": Yes, OK. It centered on the underground of, of ball culture ballroom of the culture, 1980s, yes. Yes. which you were part of.:
1: Well, I was ballroom adjacent. Let me just say that for real. You, you know, mean? I moved to New York City. I was doing Broadway shows, but I'm a gay black man. And so I did attend the balls. Oh, but you did not. But I was not in you the not balls. didn't walk in the balls. I didn't just... walk in the balls. But the culture is something that's really interesting because, you know, it's a culture of chosen family. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's so great about the show. Mm-hmm. You know, the show presents what chosen family looks like. Mm -hmm. And sometimes our biological families are not equipped to love us Mm. unconditionally in the ways that are necessary for us to thrive when we're LGBTQ people. Mm -hmm. You know, and so the ballroom culture is um, a culture that came, that emerged out of, you know, these people being thrown out of their houses just because of who they are. You know, but we found our tribe. We found our family. And we, you know, the, the culture is about making sure that we uplift each other.
0: Okay. We can't accept this stuff. This is just pure propaganda. And you listen to how the audience just goes along with it. Everything these activists put forward, people feel now like they have to clap or they're being homophobic. And they're all in now. Oh, isn't this beautiful? Isn't this wonderful? This guy's up there in a gold lame fluffy costume and they're supposed to clap and and give him kudos. Yay for you, Billy Porter. Fantastic. You know, he even made a disparaging remark about Jesus Christ during the interview, which I couldn't bear to put on the air. This is what's coming. And we can't accept this. Enough is enough. We don't have to hate people in order to say what you're saying is absurd. You don't create, this is where the whole narrative of you create your own family. Who are you straights to decide what a family is? I didn't decide what a family is. God decided what a family is. God is the one who formed the family. God is the one who made male and female. God is the one who ordained the covenant of marriage and said to go forth and multiply to Adam and Eve. This is not something that you can change just because you want to go all Gnostic on everybody. So forget that stuff. And by the way, I want to throw in this little item because I think this is going to be an interesting story as it unfolds. This was from the Springfield News Leader in Missouri. The Missouri Legislature uh, is back in session and this Republican lawmaker has now sparked a fight because there's a bill that he's put together that grew out of concerns over the drag queen story hours at public libraries. Representative Ben Baker's plan would require libraries to create review boards to regulate those kinds of events and anything else in the library considered age inappropriate sexual material. Well, hallelujah. And of course the gay activists are going crazy against him. Oh, this is so discriminatory. Da, 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 the ALA. Um, um, it's so liberal you know anything that's not pro-LGBT oh you're being a discrimination uh, crazy person how can you discriminate you know what somebody has to protect the kids and God bless these lawmakers across the country who are increasingly standing up for the kids we're going to take a break we'll be coming back on Janet Meffert today after this The healthcare open enrollment period has ended. Did you miss it? Don't go a whole year without having a healthcare program. Sign up with Liberty Healthshare. As a Christian healthcare sharing ministry, Liberty Healthshare is not insurance, so you can still sign up. In fact, you can sign up any time of year, and there are no contracts. Starting as low as $199 a month, Liberty Healthshare has memberships for singles, couples, and families, so you can choose the ideal program for your situation. Plus, Liberty Healthshare has no network, so you're free to pick your own doctors, hospitals, and providers. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, so your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals who understand the importance of people coming together to bear one another's burdens. Go to libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT for more information, libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. Hi, this is Mike Reagan, author, political
3: commentator, and son of the 40th President of the United States, Ronald Reagan, and I enthusiastically support the life-saving work of Preborn. They work 24-7 in the highest abortion cities in America to care for moms in unplanned pregnancies. Would you go to preborn.org
0: today and help save an innocent baby's life? Saving a baby's life has never been as important as it is right now. With more and more states legalizing abortion up to 9 months, the Ministry of Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasound sessions in the nation. Would you join with Preborn and Janet Mefford today to help save babies? For $140, you can sponsor 5 ultrasounds and help save 5 babies from abortion. All gifts are tax deductible, and when you donate, you'll receive a story and a picture of 5 babies whose lives were spared. To donate, call 8 8- 855-402-BABY. 855 2229 That's eight five five four zero two 402 baby Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com.
3: You're listening to Janet Mefford today.
0: And now, here's Janet. Welcome back. Well, Oswald Chambers once put it this way. We tend to use prayer as a last resort, but God wants it to be our first line of defense. Isn't that the truth? There are so many things to pray for concerning our families, our churches, our country, and our world, and yet we often don't stop down to just go before the Lord and bring to Him all of our praise and petitions. And that is the reason my next guest has organized a prayer event that hopes to bring together more than a million women around the nation for prayer on February 15th. It is called She Loves Out Loud, and we're going to learn more about it now from the president, Diane Strack. Diane, it's wonderful to have you here. How are you?
3: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Well, glad to have you. I understand the whole idea for this prayer movement was inspired, at least in part, by your friend, Vonette Bright. And I wondered if you would be able to share a little bit about your inspiration for putting this event on.
3: I would love to. You know, Vonette, every time you got together with her, would say, honey, we don't have a lot of time. Why don't we get together just to pray? And I'd always say, I would love to do that. And so we'd go to her home there. And and her last days, you know, she thought more and more about bringing women together. And she would try to get us to start new women's conferences or do different events for women. And then finally in her last few months, she looked at me across the table and said, Diane, gather the women to pray Mm is the only hope for our nation. Uh And so the simplicity of that and not having a big conference but just simply gathering women, just open the door and gather women to pray, just stuck in my heart, and that whisper just began to grow and grow. And then when I saw the Angry Women's March, I thought, you know, we cannot let that be the last word we have to share with women. Yes, you're in pain. Yes, you've been through some difficult days, but there's hope, there's healing, and we love you, and we would love to pray with you and share the love that the Lord has for you personally. Well, that is
0: wonderful. When you're looking at what is going on on February 15th, what can women expect? I know this is a prayer event that you're hoping a million women will Mm -hmm. join in with you on. How will the day go? What are the plans so
3: it's just so simple. You just go to your device, your computer, your your church, turn it on, go online and we will begin with wonderful host Sheila Walsh at the Life Today studio, Cynthia Garrett and myself will be hosting wonderful guests over our seven themes which I'll give you very quickly. The first one being Overcoming Depression and Anxiety and they'll be just short interviews of true inspiring stories of transformation and restored lives and from there we'll move on to an abortion survivor and her adoptive mom and the wonderful story of being adopted and going through all that she went through and learning for the first time at the age of 19 that she was an abortion survivor and talking about what that was like and the forgiveness of it really praying for a lot of women who have already made that decision and were thinking about made that decision with in sharing grace with them and then we have a trafficking survivor who's just an amazing story of the healing that God's brought into her life uh, from a teenager being trafficked into the now being a mental health counselor with a master's degree and just and helping women around The world, really, to find hope. And we're going to be praying for military wives. We move from that. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. What you don't want to miss is live from Memphis, 40 churches coming together for a big race relations event uh, with um, a prayer of repentance for the nation, talking about true, genuine friendships, about what that means, what that looks like. Uh, We'll do a short interview with Carol Kent. I'm praying for your children, and close with an incredible message from a couple who went through porn addiction, betrayal in their marriage, and how they divorced six years later, how God has healed them of these addictions, brought them through the addictions. Not I understand addictions don't go away, but how they be, can overcome them, and they are restored in their marriage, and it's an incredible story. Now, in between these short interviews, we'll have praise music and we'll have prayer time, so if you're there in that room and what we just talked about, you're having an anxiety issue or depression issue, you just be able to just stand right there or to raise your hand, and women will come around and pray with you and pray for you. And so we'll have these prayer times in between each session with worship music going all
0: day. It's going to be a historic, amazing day. Well, that's an awful lot to pack into one day, seven themes. Yeah, absolutely. So how is it that women can participate? I know you've got, for example, a Facebook Live. People Mm -hmm. obviously can connect digitally, but how else are you able to get churches involved or women's groups involved? What sorts of ideas can you give to listeners for participating?
3: Oh, thank you for asking me that. So we are on Pureflex live stream. I believe we're going to be on God TV. We are also on the National Day of Prayer live stream site and we will be live streaming and LifeWay Digital will also be live streaming. But uh, we say, hey, it's not too late to invite a few friends and just literally open the door and say, come on in. We're going to spend the day just listening to these messages and praying together. You know, women go shopping, they go to lunch together, they go to Bible study together, they go into a conference, say hello, hug, and leave, and then they're still alone. This is going to be a day of developing real genuine and intimate uh, relationships. So one thing you can do is go to our website and go look at the map and put in your zip code and see if there is a location near you that you can attend, and that's org backslash map. And there you will find a place to put in and interact with your zip code and see if uh, hopefully there will be a place nearby. We have 50 uh, states registered, but many of them are home groups, and we don't put those up on the site. So if there's a church, pregnancy center, or even a rescue mission in your area, because we do have some rescue missions joining us as well, which we're super excited about, uh, you'll find it there on the map.
0: Well, that's terrific. I'll give out that website again so people can go there. It's called shelovesoutloud.org, as you mentioned, backslash map is where you can go to put in your zip code and find a place where you can connect. This is so important. And I, you had mentioned before, Diane, the Women's March. And and I think there were oh. so many of us as Christians who watched that and said, there are so many women who are angry, but there are also, I think for many of them, they are in a lot of pain. There, there's yeah. a lot of pain out there. You can see that with the Me Too movement. You can see it in a lot of the anger that you see on the news every single day. What is your hope for these women, many of whom just don't know the Lord? And and really what they need is to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior and and to be saved and to be able to walk in fellowship with Him. That's the ultimate solution, regardless of what you're going through in life.
3: You know, and that's exactly where this was born, because as I watched that and I looked at that, that the Lord spoke very strongly to me and said, they don't know what you know. They Mm -hmm. don't know that there's a Father who loves them unconditionally. They don't know there's a Savior who makes all things new. And they don't know there's a Comforter who gives peace and fills the mouth with joy. They don't know. And so I just literally wrote an article called... Who are they and us? Because people keep talking on TV and media about them and us and they. And and I've decided that they's are just never heard. There are people who never heard because I, Janet, I was a never heard. Hmm. I was one who did not know the Lord and walked about in guilt and pain and shame. And it wasn't until someone actually showed me the scripture. But even then, I didn't want to hear it. I was rude. I don't want to know about that. I don't want to hear that. And so they prayed for me for months. And they were nowhere around when the Lord called me and I gave him my life and I was transformed. So I believe that this whole uh, anger and this whole bitterness and all that's going on among women is that we just haven't reached each other. We just haven't let you know, I love you just the way you are, but I also love you too much to leave you In that pain to not tell you that there is help and there is hope for you i can't leave you if i love you i'm going to pray for you and i'm going to tell you these things so i believe if we do that if we will reach out in fact we're asking women everywhere on valentine's day call up someone or meet someone who thinks differently than you do and say hey can i buy you a cup of coffee Hmm. i just want to listen i want to hear your heart why you think the way you do and i would like to know if i could." introduce myself and pray for you and so Hope and healing is available.
0: We've got to share it. Oh, for sure. That's a great idea. You know, one of the themes that you mentioned was praying for our kids. And I have yet to meet a Christian mom who does not have that at the top of her prayer list all the time, regardless of how old her kids are. Can you speak a little to that issue on the encouragement that we can give one another as Christian women when we are beseeching the Lord to protect our children, to give them wisdom, to keep them walking with the Lord the rest of their days?
3: Yes. In fact, if they will write me at shelovesoutloud at com, I can send them a 12-day Bible study for free uh, on praying with your chil- praying for your children that I've written. But, you know, there's a scripture where Jesus uh, looked at Peter and he said, Satan has asked for you that mm-hmm. I've prayed for you, yes. that your faith should not fail. And that is the verse that I've kept in my heart for our children. And every time someone shares with me a struggle for their children, I say to them, Satan's asking for our children, but we've prayed for them that he might not have them, that they might be strong in their faith. And, you know, children, they make their pathways, they go different ways, but if we stay on our knees and we stay with our hearts toward them and we give them the truth of the Word of God in a graceful way, they're going to come back or they're going to stay strong in that Word. So we've got to believe that. But you know, a friend of mine, years ago, she had four boys, all of them just loved the Lord and were so strong, and I was like, this is kind of like a miracle. I've got my pen and paper, I want to know exactly what you did tell me, I'm going to write it all down. And she said, oh, it's very simple. Lamentations nine. rise, get up early, fall on your knees for your children uh, who hunger at every street corner. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's it? Yeah. She said, that's it? I got up every morning at 4.30 and fell to my knees to pray for my children every day of their life. And I thought, wow, that's it. Amazing. And so, uh Yeah. So, yes, praying for our children is really going to be an important part, and you're going to love Carol's story uh, from I Lay My Isaac Down. It's just an amazing story. And Judy Douglas from Crew has given us a great book on uh, Praying for Prodigals, just a prodigal son and Praying for Prodigals. It's a great book.
0: you want to pick that up as well. Well, very good. There is so much more to learn about this wonderful prayer movement, She Loves Out Loud, taking place February 15th. Go to the website. You can get it all there. Shelovesoutloud.org. And the president, Diane Strack, you were so kind to be here, Diane. God bless you. Thanks Thanks for being here. Have a great day. You too. Thank you again. And we'll be back. This is Janet Mefford Today, and now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. Great to have you with us. Ecclesiastes chapter four tells us, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil, for if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. That is just one of the many verses in the Bible that deal with the importance of friendship. But what if you have a hard time making or even keeping friends? It's really not as uncommon a situation as we might think, but there's both practical help and biblical wisdom that we can't apply when we're dealing with the important issue of friendship. So we're going to talk about it today with Kim Weir. She's an author, Bible teacher, humor columnist, and radio talk show host on KSBJ Houston. And she joins us today to talk about her book, which is called The Art of Friendship, Creating and Keeping Relationships That Matter. Kim, it's great to have you here. How are you doing?
2: Hey, Janet. Great. Thanks so much for giving me the opportunity to talk.
0: Well, I really like this subject. I really do. And and maybe it's because I can relate so much to what you're talking about in your book. But you start off here by talking about how you became aware that you were lacking in female relationships and friendships. What happened to bring you to that realization of being concerned about this issue of friendship?
2: You know, I think so many of us think that loneliness is just something other people experience. I literally just had lunch with a group of widows and said to them, no, no, me too. Me too. I know what it's like to be lonely. Uh, one of the seasons for me was when we had been raising our middle school and high school kids, we have four kids, and we'd gotten so busy, Janet, with their lives, with, you know, being the home everybody could come to. Their people became our people so that we didn't have time for real people, yeah. you know, the friends that we used to have. And I looked up, you know, a few years into this and realized I, I don't know anybody, and came to that realization when I found out that my dog actually had more friends than I do. <laughs> and that's a terrible thing to find. Uh, our, our precious dog that we love so much that all the neighbors walked with and, and loved in our neighborhood passed away. And, and I wrote about it in my newspaper column. And about a week later, I got fan mail for my dog. It
3: wasn't oh for me.
2: <laughs> I didn't even know the people who were grieving over my dog. Uh, and it just it made me realize, wow, I don't know people. I don't have friends anymore. I, I am lonely, and I'm trying to figure out what to do about that. And in that process of trying to navigate my way back into relationships, I, God had a lot to teach me. And, you know, I'm just I'm, I'm glad to have the opportunity to pass that on. I think there is a second silent Me Too movement, and that is that all the people who are lonely who internally are saying, Me Too, Me
0: Too, but we don't talk about it. Well, you know, it's interesting because I've got kids now in college, high school, and middle school, and I think back when they were babies and toddlers, it seemed to be a lot easier to find friends. I mean, that's just been my experience. You know, the friends that we already have exist, hopefully, and then you just maintain them through the years. But it was easier if you went to a mom's group, if you went to the park, if you went some places where there were other moms with with babies and toddlers, there seemed to be a common response from young moms who were like, oh, good, oh, good, there's another mom. Oh, let me talk, you know, and it, it seems like when your kids get older... It's harder because there's everybody gets busier, and then you have the added problem of everybody's gone. It's not like everybody's at home all the time. They're all off at their kid's stuff, or they're working, or they're doing their thing. And And for a lot of people, I think this has been true for me, you say, well, where do you even begin to find a friend when you're having a hard time finding people who have time to get to know each other?
2: I completely relate to your story because all of that was my story too but how many of you are listening and that you're like that's my story we have these built-in clubs that we become part of you know in college we're in with a lot of other people you know when we have babies there's a whole club of people having babies you know when we take our kids to soccer practice we're in that club and we have all these opportunities for relationships to form and and we can get to this place of, of realizing wait a lot of those natural opportunities are gone uh, and there are other reasons, too. I mean, there's so many people that relocate. Yes. And yes. You know, they left all those relationships. And it it can feel like, well, nobody wants a friend. They already have friends. There's all these reasons, you know, of widowhood, relocation, different seasons of life. Um, health struggles can sideline you. So, gosh, as, as many of us as there are. Janet there are those stories and some seasons are just
0: harder than others. Very true. And relocation that that is a huge thing. Yeah. I, I can say my best friends in the world are scattered all over the country. <laughs> you know. do so mean don't yes. so mean of them to leave us. Isn't it? <laughs> and you know at some point I was the one who left, but yes, exactly. It's it's just interesting how you collect friends over the years and then you say I wish they all live nearby, but a lot of times they don't. Where do you even begin to make a friend? You know, once you got out of this realize when you gained this realization, I should say, of the fact that you were lacking and female friendships. What did you do to try to rectify it?
2: Well, I think it's interesting because one of the things that we have to be careful about, and, and I think I had gotten to that place, Janet. And so this would be one of the cautions is we can actually sort of come to a truth with our loneliness. You know, okay, I, I'm in my habit. I do this. It's not awful. It's scary to make friends. You know, yeah. I have all these voices in my head that tell me that they don't want to be my friend. You know what? I'm okay. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And we come to this place where we first thing we have to do is decide. What's your motive? Are you willing to get out and, and make friends? For me, part of that, because I'd kind of gotten to that place where it was like, I'm okay, I'll be fine, um, was really listening to what God says about relationships. You know, we know that marriage can be a picture of Christ in His church, and we know that fathering can be a picture of who Father is. But one of the great overlooked doctrines of the Bible, Janet, is actually God's friendship. Mm. And Jesus calls Himself our friend, but not just that. He actually sends us out with marching orders. And he says, I'm your friend. I'm transparent with you. I tell you stuff. I lay down my life for you. I went first. I chose you before you chose me. And then he says this, go do likewise. Go love each other like this. Right. That's a command. Yeah. <laughs> We're actually called by divine order to go be a friend because it shows the rest of the world what the friendship of God is like in the same way that marriage can show the rest of the world what the relationship of God to his church is like. And when you look at that and you realize, wait, this is purposeful. This isn't just extra. This isn't optional. God isn't calling me to do what's comfortable. I'm comfortable in my loneliness. He's saying, I've a purpose for you. Hmm. And you need to fulfill that purpose, Kim Weir, and get up and get out. So I think for me, realizing, I think one of the things that I really learned most from Jesus' example is the philosophy called go first. Go first. Go if I sit around and wait for somebody to knock on my door, Janet, I'm going to get lonelier by the day. Sure. He went first. We love him because he first loved us. And so for me, it was a matter of in that particular circumstance, I had all these wedding showers that were coming up. Our son was about to get married. I was scared to death. I didn't have relationships anymore. Who in the world would I invite? They won't want to come. And yet through this, I heard God saying to me, be brave and go first. Hmm. Go first. Hmm. Send out the invitations. Give them the opportunity to come into your life. Uh, and, and I've followed that philosophy since then. Every time I feel alone or isolated or left out, instead of shrinking into myself, my answer to that is go first. And if I can't go first with that group, and I really do feel like they don't want me there, that's probably in my head. But (laughs) even so, somebody else needs me to go first in their life. And so it could be an acquaintance at church. It could be an old friendship that needs to be rekindled. It could be a mother-in-law. It could be a daughter. There's so many ways for us to build friendships with so many varied kinds of people. could be a co-worker, but the responsibility is on us. And, Janet, I don't know about you, but I like to be pursued. That's what won me, my husband won me, (laughs) by chasing me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And that works great in romance, doesn't work so great in friendship.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And it seems to be the case that if you have your eyes open and you are willing to go first, you will find people who are very responsive and sometimes not even where you imagined they would be. You know, I I found that to often be the case that someone will just show a, a real interest in talking to me who I had kind of written off before. And it, it seems like some of it just comes down to plain old friendliness. Just be friendly. Yeah. Talk to people. Start a conversation. Say hello. Ask them a question. And and I don't know why we don't think of those basic things sometimes when it's so because obvious. we're
2: so self-conscious.
0: Yeah, probably. <laughs> we're too
2: busy thinking about us. You know, it's funny that you say that they can come from anywhere. Uh, my, one of my ministry partners and, and really one of my best friends in the whole wide world for 30 years now Um we were just talking about this. When she and her husband moved to town, he started coming to small group, but she was caught up with some ministry things and never came. We thought, oh, that's weird. When she finally did come, I'm like, yeah, no, we're not going to bond. <laughs> this is not going to be a relationship that's going to work for me. You know, I tell her all the time, you had sorority hair. You know, <laughs> it was, she said it was the 80s. <laughs> yep. But what's so funny is there was this moment when she finally came to a small group and they were going through infertility, and she was heartbroken broken over a miscarriage and even though she didn't know us very well, she just shared all of her emotions and her hurts. And that made her just the vulnerability and the transparency of it just won my heart. And that's the power of being open with people. I
0: love that. Kim, hang on just a moment. We do need to pause for a quick break. The Art of Friendship is Kim Weir's book. We'll be coming back to the conversation after this break. You're listening to Janet Muffer Today. Janet Meffer today is proud to partner with Preborn to help save babies' lives. Well, my name is Dan Steiner, and I'm the president of Preborn. Ultrasound truly is a game changer. When a mom comes into a pregnancy center under pressure to abort her child, perhaps the dad's gone, perhaps her mother is pressuring her, most of the time in her heart she doesn't want to abort, but what she needs is something that will give her the strength to choose life against the pressures that are forcing her to consider abortion. That's the ultrasound. If she hears her baby's heartbeat and sees that baby on ultrasound, everything's different. Will you join us in saving babies' lives? Preborn funds pregnancy centers across the nation so they can offer free ultrasounds to women in crisis pregnancies. Ultrasound is a game changer because when abortion-minded women actually see their babies in their wombs for themselves, 80% of the time, they choose life. Would you please join us at Janet Meffer today to support the Ministry of Preborn? For $140, you can provide five free ultrasounds to women in crisis pregnancies. A gift of $22 will provide one ultrasound, and every gift helps. To donate, please call now, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229, or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. All gifts are tax-deductible, and 100% of your gift goes directly to Toward saving babies. You can get involved and you can help save a life for a gift of $140. Five free ultrasounds will be offered to women in crisis pregnancies. Let's do more than talk about abortion. Let's save some lives. Please call now with your gift, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-BABY. eight five five four zero two 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 nine. 402 2229 or there's a banner to click at janetmefford.com you're listening to janet mefford today and now here's janet Welcome back. It's great to have you with us. I'm great to be talking with Kim Weir. She's a Bible teacher, radio host at KSBJ Houston, humor columnist, and so much more. And she's out with a book called The Art of Friendship, Creating and Keeping Relationships That Matter. And I think that a whole lot of women, especially who are listening to us right now, Kim, can relate to this because I only say that because anecdotally, I hear a lot of women saying this to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to make friends and I miss you. Why do you live 500 miles away? You know, when you were talking before we went to the break about this woman you had sort of. Of written off, I could never be friends with her. And then you mention the issue of having a miscarriage and how that it seems like changed the picture. Then,
2: yeah, I, there's something winsome about transparency. But if you go back really to what Jesus said when he described himself as a friend, you know, he, he's trying to help us see that who is God? That he, he's actually a friend. He's the original friend. Yes. And and Jesus says in John 15, he tells us several things about that. He says, "Look, I, I'm your friend. I call you a friend." I lay down my life for you. Um, He says, "I, I tell you what my father says to me. This is how you know you're not a servant. I'm actually transparent with you. And then he also says, you didn't choose me. I chose you, which is the go first philosophy. But that part in there where he says, look, I tell you everything that my father told me. He lets us in on the secrets. That is part of building a friendship. And when she was able to do that, it started something. We shared something that she let me in a place that other people don't get to go. And transparency is one of those things that's just so key. And yet, Janet, it's so scary to trust yourself yes. with other people.
0: Yes, it is. And, you know, one of the problems, and I know you talk about it in your book, is social media. For good or ill, we're, we're stuck with it for, for at least the duration. But it, it is great, in a sense, because you can connect with all sorts of people you didn't know you still wanted to connect with from high school or whatever. <laughs> Some you do want to reconnect with. I'm, I'm joking, of course. But then you also have the flip side of that, which is I don't want just online Friends, and mm-hmm. sometimes the friend who might have called you and asked you to go out for coffee is now just content to email you or text you. How do you mm-hmm. deal with those issues? The friendship that that has a time investment that goes beyond the internet.
2: Yeah, well, I think the the it gives us, first of all, as you kind of described, this false sense that we're in relationships when we're really not. Yes, and so it can be one of those things. Where like I don't know why I feel so lonely. Look, I've got five hundred and seventy-two friends. You know, <laughs> uh, and so. That's part of it, is to recognize that, no, this doesn't qualify. It doesn't qualify for the definition of friendship that God has given us in His Word. Transparency, being known, sharing, um, laying down your life. But one of the other aspects of how you can build a relationship, because that is the key question, right? Okay, fine. I know I need friendship. How do I do it? Right. So when Jesus is describing Himself as a friend who loves, and then He says, now you go love in the same way, He uses the word Agape. He doesn't use any other love word. He uses agape, and it's a very distinct word that talks about this divine friend love that originates with God. And so when you're thinking, okay, well, what does that look like? Here's the good news. He gave us the cheat sheet. If you flip over to 1 Corinthians 13, what we commonly think of as the love chapter. You hear it at weddings all the time. The word is not eros. It's not romantic love. It's agape. It's the exact same kind of love that Jesus said is his love for his friends that we're supposed to have for our friends. Great. Now, what's cool about that, Janet, is it's all about action, which that is the one thing I do like about social media. It changed the word friend from a noun to something that we do. Yeah. I'm going to friend you. And <laughs> yes. to be a Jesus friend to other people is to friend them. So it's, it's, if you go into First Corinthians 13 and you plug in friend love every place you see the word love. You actually have the guide to how to friend people. Go find people to be patient with, to be kind with. Uh, go find people that you wouldn't boast, you wouldn't be envious. Uh, go find people that you would not be self-seeking with. In other words, friendship should be about them first, then about you. God does this really cool thing. As you go and care about other people, invest in other people, meet other people's needs, ask them questions, try to help them be known, God boomerangs it and brings it back to you without it having to be your top priority. So there's this awesome guide in First Corinthians to get you
0: started. That is great. I think that's really great, that it is something that you do and an action that you should take to become yeah. a friend. You know, when you think of so many different situations that come up concerning friendships, one of the other issues that strikes me, Kim, is there are a lot of women, I think, who can refer to friendships they've lost, Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, maybe it was a fight, some kind of meltdown, some kind of misunderstanding. I lost a friend and I've seen it happen and I've been tempted in my own life to do this sometimes. I, I don't want to put myself out there again. I got burned. I trusted this person. I shared my heart with this woman. We were really close. And then this all blew up. And, you know, and then you might feel some guilt. Maybe I didn't handle it. Well, how do you recover from that kind of a situation where you were burned in a friendship and you're really kind of tentative about taking the next step toward getting to know a new friend?
2: Well, one of the things that a broken friendship does is it makes us feel rejected.
0: Yeah, (laughs) It,
2: It just, it leaves us feeling worthless and... Um, it can make us then not want to put ourselves out there for other people. And so one of the first things to recognize is, look, that friendship did not define you. right? Um, it, it's not who you are. You are one who has been created in the image of God. You are infinitely valuable, and remember that. Uh, so that's the first thing is keep it in perspective. Um, the second thing to do is give yourself a little time to grieve over it. You lost a relationship. Relationships matter to God. He is in relationship. He isn't us. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were made in his image. He's created us to be us's <laughs> to yes. be in relationships. And so when they end, it's painful. Grieve over it, regardless of how it ended. Let yourself feel the loss a little bit. Um, take a time to have that season of sorrow, but don't stay there. Move from sorrow to thankfulness. Think of all of the ways that that relationship was an investment in you. And if it was hard lessons you have learned from it, then... Give an opportunity to go before God and at least thank him for that. Um, And then just be prayerful. Trust that God is going to use that broken relationship in her life and your life. And then ask the Lord not to let you wallow, but to give you eyes of who you go first with next.
0: That's great. That's really great advice. What about being a good friend? You know, that's the old thing our moms always told us. You know, you have to be a good friend to have a good friend. And this, I mean, there's a lot of truth to that. How do you become a good friend to somebody else, what are some of the qualities that you ought to exhibit? You know, things like not always making it all about you every time you're with another woman, these sorts of things, but what are some other things that you would recommend? Hey, listen, if you want to really make and keep friends, stay away from X, Y, and Z, and, and positively do A, B, and C. Yeah,
2: well, I think one of the first things is, again, I, I hate to say go back to guy. but if you're looking at biblical friendship versus a worldview of, you know, uh, the world's version of friendship then it goes back to what Jesus said. He said, look, what is a friend? A friend is somebody who lays down his life for another friend. And while we think about the cross and Jesus literally laying down his physical life, when you look up the, the actual translation of that word, it actually can also mean lay aside your life. In other words, who are you willing to make their priorities higher than yours? That's laying aside your life. The Bible is full of great examples of people who did that. Jonathan laid aside his right to be king because he valued David's calling more than himself. Right. Um, think about Ruth laying aside her option to live in her own land, to go be a friend to Naomi in her brokenness. And so I think that's the first thing of having the perspective, as you said, it's not all about me. In fact, it's first about you and what you need, because that's the way God treats his friends. Um, I think the second thing is to, to really look at that list from 1 Corinthians 13 and plug in your name there against each relationship that you have. If you're if you're in a relationship and you want it to be a good one, Kim is kind. Kim is not boastful with Susan. (laughs) Kim is not envious of Susan. Measure it. If there's someplace there that you really can't say that with authenticity, then that's a place to recalibrate, to be a good
0: friend. And then the other thing
2: is just communication, communication, communication.
0: Yes, absolutely. Well, and and you also touch on the issue of you don't always have to have every friend that you make be a forever deep, intimate friend. I mean, we have many different, I know I have many different kinds of friends. You have friends you bump into once a month or friends who are parents of your kids' friends, things like that. And then you might have somebody you go very deep with. Maybe our expectations sometimes can be recalibrated. So we don't expect every new woman who Comes along who seems friendly is going to be my best friend next.
2: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I think as women, what do we want? We want a BFF. Yeah, so, you know, we're, we're, we go through high school, junior high, looking for the BFF. We we love Anne of Green Gables because she has a BFF. Yes, um, and that is that is a recipe for disappointment because if we put all of our eggs in one basket and we think, oh, my BFF's going to be everything, she's never going to hurt me. Of course, she's going to hurt you. We're people, and we have to be willing and prepared to forgive and love. But God didn't call us to one relationship. Um, and so having that mindset that, look, God's desire for us is community, that you're investing in lots of people. There's, I think, maybe one way to think about it is this, when you're thinking about even the kinds of relationships. Uh, you, ought to have, you ought to have some balanced relationships. People that you give and take, it's pretty, pretty even. You know, you're both looking out for each other, Good. but you're going to have other relationships where you're giving way more than you're getting kind of mentory even if you're the same age yeah and, and then you're going to have relationships where you're getting more
0: exactly and those are going to vary but you can learn That's more yeah you can learn more in the book the art of friendship we're running out of time unfortunately but kim Weir, it's been so delightful to have you here and i can see why you make lots of friends kim it was a blast to have you
2: <laughs> thanks for your time
0: all right Definitely. you take care god bless you hey thanks for joining us and janet Mufford today and we'll see you next time